Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Hartwig family, Barbara and Peter Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. And welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckettes join me shortly in our topics this week. Kansas City gets set to select a new mayor. Kansas picks a new senator next year. And divided government demonstrates its division, plus roast and toast. But we start with our interview segment and talk about what many perceive as the coarsening of our political discourse in the media and in civil society. And joining me for that discussion is Beth miller Vonami, Associate Professor of Political Science at UMKC. Professor, thanks for joining us on Records. Sure. Appreciate you coming in. The concern about political debate becoming too coarse, too harsh, is that anything new? I would say it is. Over the last 10 to 20 years, we've seen a real sea shift from political disagreement um, in the sense of policy debate and values debate to really a move, I think, to what we would call the politics of destruction, where it's become much more personal. And so it's not enough that your policies are ineffectual or that your policies are wrongheaded. It becomes personal. It becomes about you as a person and that's a very different world we live in than I think we would have seen 10, 20 years ago. Wasn't there some pretty harsh political debate between and among the founders of this country? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there, it's just a different world that we live in. So we didn't, you know, uh, reg the regular public at the time would have never seen sort of the really harsh debates that went on. But yes, there were accusations of, you know, being murderers, being you know, too British at the time. So yeah, that's nothing super new. Then there I, were partisan newspapers. Absolutely. Like there are and, now. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> uh, we sort of had a time period where there wasn't, but yes, the partisan papers were very full of, you know, vitriolic uh, debate. Uh, we kind of expect a program named Ruckus to generate <laughs> sure. political debate, and, sure. and it does. Uh, a comment, however, on a recent show from one of our panelists caused a number of people to complain, to be offended. They sure. wrote the station and called the station. And that's not surprising. That's not totally unusual. But this time, a number of the people who were concerned said, don't let that person back on the program ever again. From your perspective, is that a step too far? Well, I think, you know, part of what sort of we talk about is sort of this notion of freedom of speech and whether that's you know, the legal constitutional definition or more of a cultural uh, norm. And I think both are important. Um, we sort of want to have freedom of speech that is freedom from government interference. But we've really come as a society to embrace the notion that freedom of speech means more than that. It means the freedom to voice and have unpopular opinions. And I do think it's really important that those unpopular opinions are voiced because that's how we move forward. That's how we have debates about what is reasonable, what is not, what is you know, legitimate for political discussion, what is legitimate policy making. And so I actually do think it's important that we hear those unpopular opinions, even if they make us uncomfortable, even if we get offended, it's important to have those voices out there so that we can talk about them, so that we can decide where we are as a society. You know, when I was a little kid uh, growing up, people used to say, and maybe they still do, uh -huh. to children, sticks and stones sure. may break my bones, but words will never harm me. 
Yeah. Has that changed? I mean, I, <laughs> excuse me. It certainly was uh, something that I was told as a kid, but um, I think it's changed a little bit, and only to the extent that um, I think people are more cognizant today of the um, repercussions of their words. And you know, there's a lot of research that words are actually quite powerful. Um, that that maxim that we heard as kids is is really wrong-headed because it is in fact true that words do matter and words can have incredibly powerful effects psychologically. I think if you asked a lot of people they would say Donald Trump is responsible for all this. <laughs> is that a fair criticism? I think he, he bears some responsibility but I think the the notion of incivility in politics had its sort of groundwork earlier uh, than Donald Trump. He's just sort of, I think, heightened it, but it certainly was there before. And it's, you know, there are lots of factors that have contributed to that, but it certainly um, began before he became president. Let me get in one final question before we run out of time, and I wish we had more time. Uh, what about social media? What role does it play? It must be a major role. I think it, ha it plays an incredibly important role in sort of the incivility in politics, because when we're face-to-face, -face, there's a level of discomfort that emerges when we start to disagree, especially when it becomes personal. That level of dis discomfort doesn't exist on social media, and so people feel much freer to disagree and to disagree in a very personal sense. That I one more final question. Sure. Have I been polite? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks very much. Pleasure sure, to meet no you. Problem. Thanks for you coming too. in. Um, you'll have to come back sometime. Absolutely. We'll talk more. That is Professor Beth Miller Von Abbe from UMKC. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Attorney Laura McConwell is a former mayor of Mission, Kansas. Terry Riley is a former city councilman and is now head of Transformation Consultants. Mary O'Halloran is a media and communications consultant. And Crosby Kemper III is executive director of the Kansas City Library System and host of KCPT's Meet the Past and Centropolis programs. Welcome to you all. Looks like an outstanding group today. Let's find out if it is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> elections, elections usually occur in years divisible by two. But Kansas City, Missouri seems to have elections every year and occasionally several times in the same year. 2019 is no exception. It's the year when Kansas City voters will pick a new mayor. There never seems to be any shortage of people eager to take on the job. Now, three of our panel have been elected to public offices in the past. The other panelists should have been. Oh. Crosby. They know how to campaign <laughs> and what Harry it takes. Wiggins. They know what it takes to win elections. So, if you were advising a candidate for Kansas City mayor, and some of you may be or will be, what is the main issue you would tell him or her to focus on in the campaign? We'll start with Terry. Two quick issues. Uh, one is you need to come up with a plan for violence because in every major city in America, they devise a plan for violence and then you're able to do economic development. Number two, we need a, a mayor that could fix some of the budget woes that the city is currently dealing with. Uh, the city uh, right now is experiencing uh, a pinch as it relates to uh, uh, revenue, as it relates to sales tax, um, uh, collecting sales tax, and we need a person in there that will, one, is roll their sleeves up, find out where the waste is, put the money where it belongs. Uh, th those are the first two issues that I believe that a mayor has to uh, tackle. Does that relate in. to local control of the police department? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, no, I, I'm not getting on that issue. I, I just want well, to focus. You said violence. To, I guess that would mean yeah, homicide. But, but you will need uh, the, the police to work with the city. Uh, one thing that we need to reinstitute in Kansas City, and I think a, a viable mayoral, uh, mayoral candidate can use this, is community policing. When we had a solid uh, 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 community policing program here in Kansas City, which was started by former Mayor Emanuel Cleaver, now Congressman, you saw a drastic change in violence in the community because those police officers had a relationship with the people uh, in the community. We're going to talk about uh, one issue. Crosby, would it be the airport? Uh, the airport certainly ought to be an issue. Three members of the airport committee are running for uh, mayor, and I don't understand how anybody can vote for anybody on the airport committee after the disaster <laughs> that that's been. But I agree with with Terry. We have a high tax, regressive tra tax system. We've been concentrated on big development projects that cost a huge amount of money. The streetcar will cost a billion dollars over the next ten years, uh, and this is crazy in a city that's having a hard time balancing its budget and has is one of the highest tax cities in the United States. Mary, you're a Consultant, if a mayoral candidate were to say to you been. one topic, what one topic should I focus oh, on in I the primary? What is it? I mean, we are all excited about the immense creative development and the way the city's positively just come exploding with uh, luxury development in downtown. It's and then great. Why is there a revenue shortage? It's great, but here, that, that here's he the, no jobs. Here's the issue. The issue that that brings up is the next mayor must develop a plan for affordable housing for ordinary people. We've got to have a city where a teacher, a fireman, an ordinary person can buy a house and live in it and go to and their, have their children go well, to So affordable, affordable housing is Affordable housing. I mean, we are affordable subsidizing housing. luxury okay. apartments. As, as I like to say... <laughs> to you as the only person on the panel who's actually been a mayor what what would be your recommendation well i think these two talk mary and uh, terry uh, it sort of dovetails because affordable housing obviously is an issue, but there is affordable housing in Kansas City, Missouri, but a lot of the places where that affordable housing is, people are kind of afraid to live in because you need to get under, you know, some of the crime under control. Now, I understand that Mission was a much smaller place in Kansas City, Missouri, but something we were very successful with is engaging neighborhood organizations. And so we didn't call it community policing, but we called it neighborhood organizations. <clears throat> and when we started getting neighbors out talking to each other, we found that crime went down. We found that complaints to the city went down. Um, complaints, uh, you know, police calls went down because people started being outside and being part of it. And then we saw property values increasing because people were happy to be in their neighborhood and more and more people have been moving in. And, I, you know, Kansas City has got a lot of aw awesome neighborhoods, but, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know th that people want to move in, in them because they're concerned, right or wrong, about the crime well, issue. I mean, racial difficulties. But I also the think the, the budget let, is let, huge. Let, let, let <coughs> the budget is huge because people want to know that they're getting value for the taxes that they're paying. And, yeah, they're not going to just want to subsidize a bunch of wealthy people getting wealthier. They want to know that they're going to be able to live there, their kids are going to go to good schools, and they're going to be in safe neighborhoods. And that's really what's important for a community. Crosby, your co-founder at, co at the Show Me Institute, <laughs> Rex Singfield, is apparently getting involved in trying to get the e-tax question right. resolved right. in Kansas City. Are right. you supportive of that action? Um, so I, I, the state legislature shouldn't be the one to do it. It should happen locally, is, is my view. Uh, on the other hand, w the earnings tax is a bad tax. It's a regressive tax, flat tax from dollar one. 
we're the only ones with that tax. It taxes the most productive thing, your labor, um, and it sends professionals and others across the state. Did you line. say regressive? It's regressive. It is regressive. Yeah. Yes. It, it, a, no. uh, the assistant manager at McDonald's at 31st and Prospect pays a much, much higher percentage of his income in Kansas City. Well, what than, percentage than does a CEO. Of, of, of Sinkfield's income would you like to see taxed? Well, he's not a, a resident of Kansas City. As far as <laughs> or I'm any other you know, Mary, Mary, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> well, what the, is the earnings po- tax is a regressive tax. Aren't you, you against want a regressive taxes? How high do you want to go on the income tax then? For the well, we can I, get rid I, of the I'm earnings not. tax as soon as you find out a remedy to, to, right. to, you want to, to fill the revenue gap. Terry, 79 of the 100 largest cities do not have an earnings tax. How do you fill the revenue gap? How do you feel it? The way if those we get rid of the earnings tax, if you come up with a okay. comprehensive property, plan, I will support that. But no one's been able to come up with a property We need a gap in this debate so we <laughs> yeah. can move on to the next topic. Not many legislators can retire undefeated, but Kansas U.S. Republican Senator Pat Roberts can and will in 2021. After 24 election successes, Roberts will hang it up at age 84 after working in Washington since the 1960s as an aide, a congressman, and finally as senator. While Roberts' retirement plans have generated interest, the real focus is on who will be the next senator from Kansas, a man or a woman, a Democrat or Republican, an independent, someone steady, someone flamboyant. Some suggest the GOP race in 2020 could bring a rematch between Jeff Collier and Chris Kobach, who faced each other last year in the GOP gubernatorial primary. As we start to think about the Senate race, what qualifications and attributes should Kansans want in their next U.S. Senator? I'll start with Laura. Well, it's always an interesting thing because what people tend to want out of the, the, the senator, but what they want out of the candidate seems to me to be a little bit different. I think as a, as a senator and some of the things that uh, Senator Roberts has been particularly successful with is the fact that he's been a statesman and he has worked with others across the aisle to try to get things done for the good of the overall state. And, um, I, you know, and I can, I, I can only say the things that he helped us do in mission. He helped a lot of the local different units. So I think, I think you need a statesman. I mean, obviously, they're going to want somebody that's going to uh, be strong on illegal immigration to help, you know, work with the president to resolve that. They are going to want um, budget, get the budget under control and... You know, so you're looking for some senator who's responsive to the <laughs> needs of various communities in the state, is that? Well, no, I mean, I think we don't want him to ignore the communities in the state, but a, a senator basically is elected to resolve federal issues, not local, but you need to be, you need to be working with all the different layers of government to support the people that you represent. They sometimes come together, though, don't they? <laughs> they do. Yeah, you know, Crosby, same question. So I, somebody like Susan Wagle would uh, would be great if you look at Laura Kelly, state and, senator, state uh, senator, Republican, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I'll put a dark horse in, in, in throw, throw this out. It's been mentioned, but Ajit Pai, who's head of the FCC, who grew up in Parsons, Kansas, I think has been a great uh, head of the FCC. 
uh, and uh, I think he wants to come back to Kansas. I'd, I'd throw his name in. How about Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, whose name has been mentioned, a former Wichita congressman? Well, it, it, folks are not lasting all that long in the current administration's <laughs> cabinet, so he might be might be available. He, he might be, he might be the exception. Mike has Pompeo lasted has the whole real, time. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of he's talent. He's been there. I, I think, yeah, I think I don't my, see my, him. Mike Pompeo would be a great candidate. Well, what Democrats, Mary, what Democrats are you hearing about as potential U.S. senators? Only the most courageous ones want to come forward. I wonder was 1932 was the last time we elected a Democrat. Well, we've had remarkable success in the great blue wave that we just saw sweep across the country. That Kansas is far more democratic now than it was then, of course. Uh, Barry Grissom. Former uh, U.S. attorney. Former U.S. attorney. He, he is everywhere these days. And I watched him I watched him emcee the, the uh, Democratic Party gala this fall before the election. Big, huge crowd, excellent job, has tremendous uh, people skills. Yeah, very charismatic. I think, talking about Pat Roberts, and I interviewed him many times on the radio when I was doing talk radio. He was a, you know, he started out as a staffer. <laughs> this is a guy who, who did work his way up from the bottom, but once he got to be a senator, he left the state and never came back. Oh, I mean, please. Seriously, no, he joked true. about oh, it. Please. He joked about it. I have a recliner in Dodge City was one of his witty well, comments. But he didn't, I, I, I don't think if I walked down the street responsive. I could find 10 people who had actually had a personal interaction. Well, Jerry, oh, if, if, if <coughs> Donald Trump runs for president in 2020, and mm -hmm. we assume at least at this point he will, uh, will he play a critical role in determining who the Republican nominee is in Kansas by his endorsement, by his support? It, it probably hurt. Uh, that individual. Look what it just did in the uh, in the uh, didn't 2018 help election. Cover. It didn't help. It hurt Chris. Did it help yeah. Josh Hawley? <laughs> well, in Missouri, but I think though. there are other things yeah, that it, Chris it had besides that endorsement. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, it might or might not. It, I think no. it depends Chris, a lot he, on circumstances. He's an it didn't help. There, there's Chris a guy named Matt Schlapp who is the head of the American <laughs> Conservative Union, I believe, right. organization. And his wife is Mercedes. Mercedes Schlapp, who works in the White Mercedes House. He's from Schlapp. Kansas. He yeah. apparently has Al some interest. Alan Cobb is a, a name that's also been mentioned. Yes. Similar, Mr. similar kind of background. Uh, you know, there are a lot of interesting people out there. I guess it's two years away. I guess we're not going to nominate. The next, well, I don't know. Uh, I think US the state's going to want somebody that has some substantive background and not some somebody that doesn't have a familiarity with Well, it's going to be processes. somebody who knows a lot about agriculture, and that's what he uh, succeeded in doing, and working with Debbie Stabenow, the senator from Michigan, to make sure that food stamps were left in the agriculture All right. Bill. The 116th U.S. Congress convened <clears throat> a week ago in Washington amid a government shutdown stemming from debate over immigration and a border wall. For the first time in eight years, Democrats control the U.S. House. The Senate remains under GOP dominance. This is called divided government, and some fear it will lead to stalemate. Others note that the last two years under unified government also led to stalemate. Some see a struggle among Democrats in the House between the more traditional forces led by Speaker Pelosi and the just-elected progressive contingent, including New York's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Analysts are asking this question, will Democrats in the House investigate the many controversies spawned by President Trump, or will they legislate? Let's put that question to Mary. Should House Democrats investigate or legislate, or can they and will they do both? They, they can and they will and they must. The 
it is required of the of the Congress of the United States to be the accountability and uh, you know to to ride herd on the bureaucrats, so to speak. It's required. I mean, you, there hasn't been any oversight, serious oversight, of the Trump bureaucracy, the Trump uh, policies beyond his own domination of the media <clears throat> every day, and and that's what Democrats are going to focus on, and of course they will. Uh, I mean, there is a movement among Democrats, a strong one, to begin uh, impeachment uh, efforts with the president. For if, what? For what? For what? Yeah. Well, For what? Yeah. well, of course, nothing yet. I don't like that. <laughs> well, exactly. There's going to be a report, don't of you? course. If so Mueller's they can't move report, until the Mueller report is well, published. Well, that's Pelosi's position, of course, and she perfect. But but, but the point is. The others in the party, younger, more progressive Democrats who were just elected, aren't willing to wait that long. Oh, well, they'll wait. Impeachment until papers have already been filed <laughs> by in, a California She's in the fine control of the, of the House of Representatives. You saw that demonstrated strongly in the last few weeks, the last few days. Uh, they will legislate and they will investigate, and that's, that is their obligation. And, and I think um, people tend to forget when they talk about Democrats controlling the House and they're going to do this, they're going to do that. <laughs> they can't do much of anything without a vote that is the same in the right. Senate and a okay on a document by the President the of the United States. The two most powerful groups in our government right now outside of the President are the House Democrats under Pelosi and the Senate Republicans. And as Senate, Senate Republicans begin to become more moderate and are willing to work with Democrats, then you really could see some very positive results. For example, work on health care and the lowering of drug Crosby, uh, prices. Crosby, assuming so the uh, <clears throat> government still shut down during the taping of this program on Thursday morning and its appearance on Thursday evening and Sunday morning, if that is still going on, uh, who's being hurt by it the, the most? The Democrats or Republicans? I, th I think, I think bo both the president and the, uh, and the Democrats are being hurt by this. I mean, there's a deal out there to be had, which is the Democrats have already supported a, a billion seven for, for, for a wall, and now it's zero dollars for a wall. The president has talked about the dreamers in the past, about supporting some of the. There's a deal out there to be had, and if they both keep saying no, 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 I think they're both hurt. And, and the one person who looks good in all of this, I hate to say this to a public TV audience, <laughs> is Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Uh, Laura. Yes, sir. Uh, some House members newly elected are calling for Medicaid for all, a Green New Deal, tax rates into the 70% range. Do you think traditional Democrats will endorse those kinds of ideas? I don't think so. I mean, but I'm, I, I'm, I don't have a plug into the Democratic Party, so I don't know. Well, but, should they? Uh, no, I don't, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you know what they he's Medicaid for all? Medicaid for all? Yeah, no. No, not Medicaid for all, Medicare Medi for Medicare all. Medicare for all, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, let me say this. expansion of Medicaid. We already have Medicaid for all. Let me say this practical. real quick. Impeachment will not move forward <coughs> until the Republicans step up and make the president accountable. And as you mentioned earlier, the Congress can't do it alone. The only way impeachment... 
the only way that impeachment can move forward if you come if, if Mueller, Mueller, Mueller comes back with um, with the facts to say that Trump actually did something. Right now, what the Democratic Party is focused on is legislative priorities. They are moving forward. The impeachment thing is not coming out of the mouth of uh, Pelosi. They're going to move forward and oh, do some out. things. Oh, that, they're Wait going to do they, things they, that are in they, the best interest they, of the American they people. They are moving forward, and so are we. <laughs> Now we are going to head to the soapbox for Roast and Toast, where the Ruckheads have 30 seconds each to meditate, celebrate, or exaggerate. And we start with Laura. Well, I'm going to toast our outgoing Senator, Pat Roberts. He has been a man who is led, he's a great statesman. He's led with his fabulous sense of humor. I think he's been very um, good for our state of Kansas, and we wish him well in these last two years of his term. And that's it. Let's stand pat. That's it. Okay, He's yes. a good guy. Uh, Crosby? So uh, I, I, this is not a, really a roast or a toast. It's a prediction that we might be able to toast one of the outsiders, Steve Miller or Phil Glenn, uh, in the mayoral race, who might actually oppose the development incentives, might actually oppose the, the streetcar convention center hotel, focus of the city over the, uh, the last few years uh, and, and endorse uh, focusing on really good public policy. I hope somebody will do that. How strong do you think the Chastain campaign will be? <laughs> Um, I think, you know, he might, uh, he oh, might win, on. and then, uh, you know, of course, the, the, then we'd have to prove where he, where he lives, but that hasn't, that hasn't affected voters uh, in the past. Okay. Terry. <laughs> I'm going to go in a totally different direction. I, I want to toast uh, Dr. Beatty. Uh, she is the new MCC uh, chancellor, and she's really been making some strides here in Kansas City, revamping things over there at mm -hmm. MCC, because I used to just call it <laughs> Penn Valley. Now it's MCC, and they're moving straight ahead, and they have a fabulous uh, program as it relates to nursing, and she's doing some creative partnerships with UMKC and Truman Medical Center, and I look forward to them doing great things in the future. Metropolitan Community College. Colleges. All right, MCC. Well, I want to toast three Republicans that switched and became Democrats since we, I last had a chance to talk to all of you. Dr. Robert Boulier, my senator, uh, Stephanie Clayton, representative, and Senator Dinah Sykes all became Democrats. And then I'd like to toast uh, them and their decision by quoting Thomas Jefferson, who said, but every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. We have called by different names, brethren of, different, of the same principle. We are all Republicans. We are all Federalists. Tom at his best. All right, and finally, here is a toast to U.S. Senator John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana. Asked about the impact of the government shutdown, he said, if Congress is not careful, its 10% approval rating may be at risk. <laughs> That's Ruckus for this week. We'll be back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckus and the crew, Mike Shannon saying thanks for watching and good night.